A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to Wool Shift Dust, the adaptation analysis podcast. This episode is for all the Silo slash Hugh Howie fans or just space sci-fi fans in general. We're going to be giving you a spoiler-free preview of Beacon 23, the new adaptation of the Hugh Howie novel about space wars and strange encounters, premiering this Sunday, November 12th on MGM+. And who is we? I'm your host, Alicia, representing the book readers for our coverage of this show. And with me is someone I know our silo listeners have missed. Welcome back, Luke. How have the past couple months been treating you? Oh, they've been treating me well, thanks, Alicia. So once again, I am going to be the fountain of ignorance on this podcast. <laughs> I have I have not read the books, as is per usual. So I will be coming into this cold. Um, really looking forward to it, actually. Uh, like I put on uh, what used to be Twitter the other day. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting back into the extended Howieverse. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to say that I feel like I'm going in colder on this one than with Silo. Based on what I've seen in the trailers, there are hints that there are, you know, they're taking things from the books. But yeah, as David on the Lorehounds always likes to say, it's closer to inspiration than adaptation. Because, for instance, the list of characters, there is not a single character name from the books. <laughs> okay. And this is not a series of books, is it? This is a book. This is a single, it was a series of short stories, but like a serialized tale with the same central character. And uh, it was turned into a book in 2015. Okay. Are you excited about it, Luke? Well, yeah, I am because it's got Lena Headey in it. I, right. was, getting, I was getting very strong um sarah connor chronicles right energy from the trailer because everybody instantly goes oh lena heady cersei lannister but for me lena heady will always be sarah connor yeah fair. Uh, yeah i'm a big I, I can't believe that ended after two seasons that's right up there with firefly in terms of things that were prematurely cancelled that's a second reference I'm hearing to it, I think, this week. Yeah, I, th I guess it was last week, the Lorehounds. Uh, David and John got to interview Bear Mercury, who was the composer of the Sarah Connor Chronicles, amongst many other things. I would just like David and John to know that I am dying of jealousy right now. I have turned green here. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really good episode. Definitely recommend checking that out in the Lorehounds feed. Yeah. But yeah, also anyone who's curious about the book, Abby and I are breaking it down in the book club. You'll find that episode coming out this week as well. Now, so the show, for anyone who is not familiar yet, it follows the official description is Beacon 23 follows two people, Lena Headey's Aster and Stephen Jane's Holland, whose fates become entangled after they find themselves trapped together at the ends of the known universe. Hedy's Aster mysteriously finds her way to a lonely beacon keeper on his lighthouse in the darkest recesses of space. A tense battle of the wills unfolds as James's keeper begins to question whether Aster is friend or foe, as her ability to disguise her agenda and motives could make her a formidable opponent. So, um, yeah, it's on. It's being aired on MGM Plus, which is what Epics is now called in the U.S. And in Europe, MGM Plus has taken over Lionsgate Plus, which I happen to subscribe to. But to be honest, the marketing department has not been super communicative. So I am not 100% sure if it's going to be releasing in Europe. So uh, and they did not get back to us about screeners. So we're just basically operating a don't ask, don't tell policy. VPNs exist. <laughs> well, I'm just saying they didn't get back to us about screeners and we are a big deal. And this will reflect yeah. poorly on MGM. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't they know that we talked about Silo for so many hours? So many hours. <laughs> we're owed every other Hugh Howie adaptation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it's the book, as I mentioned, was five short stories that were then gathered into a solo book in 2015. And yeah, the book itself, even more than Silo, feels like it was short stories put together. Like there's, you know, these all these mini arcs that come to a conclusion before the next story. And I was just reading an article in Inverse that was saying uh, that someone who has seen the season said that the season takes a similar sort of uh, approach that there are mini arcs in each and you know there might be one episode might be more of a thriller and another might be more of a romance that sort of thing and you were saying you were saying in the the little episode you did uh with david previewing it that it's a bit more sort of mm -hmm. offbeat than silo was yeah there are some quirky elements so i am wondering if they will be transferred over okay interesting but yeah, so the this series was first announced in 2018, and Lena Headey and Stephen James were named leads in 2021, and it began filming in 2022 in Toronto. Uh, Luke, when did you first hear about this series? Well, I've got to be honest, I heard about it when you told me about it. Right. Um, and I, I think that's to do largely with the fact it's on a smaller, more out-of-the-way platform, because it wasn't originally going to be on MGM, was it? MGM picked it up. No, well, it was going to be on AMC, which also, which is slightly more established with like The Walking Dead and, and uh, Interview with the Vampire and stuff, but they are American only also, or even more so than MGM Plus. So yeah, it's it's the battle of the little platforms. But basically, it was produced by Boat Rocker for Spectrum Originals and AMC, but uh, Spectrum decided to move out of original programming and AMC decided to scale back on theirs. So uh, they took a tax cut and several productions were cut free, put on the market. And this one landed at MGM+. Plus. Okay. One thing I am curious about is, uh, you know, Hugh Howie was quite involved in the development of Silo 
is he as involved in this? No, no, definitely uh, less involved. I mean, to a certain degree, but no, definitely. And I do think this is going to diverge a lot more from the book. Okay. But I guess maybe fewer people have read that book. And to be honest, I like the book, but um, I'm happy to like a show if it does its own thing. And I do think from the trailer that there are things I see them picking up from the book. So I just hope that they keep to especially the ending of the book, because it asks such interesting questions. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we have um, Lena Headey, who is the most famous face in front of the cast. And that's, of course, Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones. Um, Definitely picking up that, like, you Howie heroine baton from Rebecca Ferguson. (laughs) Yeah, definitely wearing the you Howie vest top as well from the... From the, the trailer, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, in, in the books, it's mostly just from the perspective of the male character who's played by Stephen James. I'm not familiar with his work for, before, but he's been in a lot of things like If Beale Street Can Talk, uh, Homecoming, Surface on Apple. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Are you familiar with him? Um, no, I hadn't heard of him before, to be honest. Um, and this looks like it's going to be a bit of a two-hander. Like, they seem to be the main characters throughout the whole show. I mean, if it's like the book, it should be like that. But it does seem like there are, well, there are a lot more characters that we see in the trailers and scenes. Um, Although, obviously, the clips that we've seen mostly come from one episode. So we are going to be talking through, giving a brief description of the trailers and the scenes in just a little bit. So, yeah, this show, actually, they filmed already two whole seasons. Wow, so somebody's got a lot of faith in it then. Well, yeah, it was going to be on AMC and um, they renewed the second season just so that they could film back to back because that makes it cheaper to film. Okay. So we know at least we're getting two seasons. Uh, It was produced by Boat Rocker, like I said, and Boat Rocker, they're known for Invasion. Um, And by the way, I just wanted to say I have gotten a couple emails about covering Invasion and I see them. And thank you for the suggestion. It's not an adaptation, so we won't be covering it. And I have to admit, I haven't watched it either, but I take the recommendation and am bumping it up the list. What about you, Luke? Uh, No, I haven't watched it yet. It's on the list of things to watch, probably when I get through the, when I get through For All Mankind, which I've just started. Mm, I love that one. I'm just at the beginning of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. New episodes start this Friday. Oh, do they? Okay. Did you watch Orphan Black when it was on? I I watched a couple of episodes of it. I didn't. I can't say it really grabbed me, to be honest. <gasps> oh, sacrilege. Okay. it's. I love that show. I love that show because, I mean, it's it's a lot of it comes down to the lead, Tatiana Maslany. Say, if any fans of Orphan Black are missing it, definitely check out their next chapter podcast where she comes back. And then in later seasons, more characters reprise their roles and they just continue the story. But yeah, there's also going to be a spinoff in AMC. And yes, I will be watching. (laughs) Um, But this show, it was the showrunner is Zach Penn, who was also the head writer. And he's especially known for Marvel stuff like X-Men 2 and 3, um, other comic booky type stuff like Free Guy and Ready Player One. Uh, He tends to co-write a lot of his stuff, which he did here as well. Plus other writers wrote episodes. And this is his second TV show after Alphas, but the first time as official showrunner. So 
Um, but that's he was only he was a creator and the showrunner for the first season. But then in the second season, the person you're going to see doing all the press is Glenn Mazzara, who was the Walking Dead showrunner and Joy Blake, I think, best known for The Resident. So they apparently took over in season two due to scheduling issues. That's going to be interesting, actually, because with them being filmed back to back with different showrunners, you're really going to be able to see, you know, what changes and what doesn't. And Uh one set of showrunners liked about the source material uh, might not be what the other set of showrunners really liked about the source material. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very curious to see uh, to compare the two seasons once we get the chance. We've got eight episodes a season, and I'm assuming the same for season two. Um, we're going to talk about our exact coverage more at the end, but we will be covering the episodes, uh, not on a strictly weekly basis, but two to three at a time with some ongoing Dune coverage in between. Uh, we hope that you'll be watching. If you haven't gotten a chance to check out the trailer and the three clips from the first two episodes, you might want to click those links in the show notes and give them a look right now. We're going to be describing them all briefly in the next section and sharing our spoiler-free thoughts and expectations for this show right after this quick commercial break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Okay, so I'm going to do a quick speed run through uh, what we see in the trailer, and then we're going to talk a bit about it. So we open with Lena Headey as Aster in some sort of stasis pod, and Stephen James as Helen comforts her, saying she survived a spaceship crash, and we see a flashback to him running through his beacon holding a spear-like object, and a bright light blooms outside the windows, a purple explosion visible in the aftermath. He tells her they're on a beacon, And we see it from the outside, a tall structure with several floors wrapped around it in layers, a light spiraling out from the base, floating in an asteroid field. Aster looks out the windows at the glow of the galaxies visible in the distance, commenting on the view, and then informs her host that she arrived at his beacon on purpose. She's asking for access to some unnamed data, and he's not about to give it to her. We see her snooping around with a flashlight, picking up a rock-like object that emits a glow in a science lab, and then someone phases into view like a solid hologram. It's Harmony, played by Natasha Mumba. Could this be some kind of communicator? She asks if something's wrong, and Aster says the beacon keeper isn't cooperating. He's hiding something. A group enters the beacon, and a woman says there's something valuable here. We see Aster and Helen running, and then one of the new people shoots at bulletproof glass separating them as they discuss with Harmony whether or not they can cooperate with each other, let alone the new people. 
We see glamour shots of our two leads and a moving picture frame with an old man standing outside a lighthouse as waves crash around it. Harmony tells a doubtful Aster that what happened to her ship was an accident, and we see a tiny asteroids pummeling what might have been her ship. A flash of a person, possibly Aster, in a rowboat on a lake as she says, I think it's all connected. And then she tells Helen that they were both meant to come to this place. A flash of an older woman writing sciencey things. A young girl with a doll. Triangular shaped ships blazing across space in formation, leaving rainbow wakes. A woman with a gun. Aster kissing another woman. Stephen Root looking shocked. Someone pounding on glass. Someone else choking. Yet another person looking shocked and sad all flashed by, along with glimpses of people falling, helping each other, more ships with rainbow wakes. And the trailer ends with Helen asking Aster who she is. She does not answer. Title card, Beacon 23, premieres November 12th. Uh, Luke, was the trailer what you expected going into the show, or did you expect anything going into the, I, the I trailer? I didn't really expect anything going in. The, the two questions that sort of instantly popped into my mind the first time I watched the trailer is, are Holland and Asta both real? Mm-hmm, okay. uh, or is one, is one hallucinating the other? Because that would be the classic lighthouse tro you know a long isolation sort of a moon right. type, you know a moon type thing where one character basically like manifests um the other um i thought we'd we've obviously got the character you described the computer interface yeah harmony but i don't know i think harmony might be a real person but then maybe like someone back at he keeps talking about the isa maybe she's a representative of the isa which i'm wondering if that's a stand in in the book, he worked for NASA, so I'm guessing ISA is the show version. Okay, well, I sort of took her to be the show version of Hal. Yeah, okay, but then in the clips, we meet that other, um, the Bart. I thought that was Hal. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's true, actually. So there might be multiple artificial intelligences at work here. Kudos on spotting Stephen Root, because I hadn't spotted him. It took me several oh, yeah. times to spot Stephen Root. And Stephen Root is one of those actors. I was a big Office Space fan, so. Yeah, it's a mark of quality. Stephen Root is in a thing. <laughs> you're, in, you're in safe hands. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very curious to see what role he's playing, because we just see him, like, at a desk. Yeah, and I've got to say, the, the other question that sort of jumped in my mind, and I'm a bit worried about this, is what is going on with Lena Headey's accents? I don't know what accent she's attempting, but it's like... Oh, I like it. It's a proper, like, Monty Python, you know. Okay. There's trouble at Mill, something's gone out to skew on treadle kind of accent. I actually saw um, a comment on the trailer where somebody said her accent is heaven. I have no no idea what that accent is supposed to be. (laughs) Okay, James Corden. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, for anyone who doesn't know, it was an inside joke from a previous episode. Okay, so yeah, so there was a few interesting things. So there was in the book I was talking about in that preview episode with David that there were the uh, like quantum entanglement messages. Uh, they're called QT messages, and I'm wondering if this Harmony character is a way of taking that but visualizing it. You know, having a, a human visual representation of it that just plays better on screen. Yeah, I think that makes sense because, like, in a book, you can obviously have a lot of text messages back and forth, whereas 
on a, on a TV show, you do need to sort of humanize that. You can't really be asking the audience to do too much reading. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, I like the I, I like the idea of um, the beacons as just as a cool concept because if you are doing if you have gotten to the point where you are doing interstellar travel, you would actually need both for communications and for sort of guidance you would need those kind of relays and i like the little detail you dropped in the show with david the other day that we're not supposed to call them lighthouses but everybody right i I like that yeah we'll see if they say that in the show too who do you think the group is that boards the beacon in the trailer i mean they look they they look military or paramilitary I, i wonder if they're mercenaries i wonder if they have some links to Halland's past because it's sort of revealed in one of those clips that we're going to talk about that he's ex-military. So I wonder if there's mm-hmm. a I wonder if there's a link to his to his past in there somewhere. They look like they know what they're looking for. Right. What What do you think that is? Well, I'm thinking if it's an asteroid belt, maybe there's mining. Um, okay. Yeah, that was my first sort. Because also there's the, the, there's the shiny rock thing and that would fit mm-hmm. that would fit with the shiny rock yeah what do you i mean because the rock was it wasn't just shiny it was like glowing from within yeah. which i have to say that rock is there is a significant rock in the book and i kind of hope that they are linking it somehow because i kind of like that aspect of the book but it's not glowing like that so okay. i i don't know your guess is as good as mine okay um what do you think lena Heedy's character Aster wants? She said she went there on purpose. Yeah, I mean, like, data. like I say, I don't know. I The first question I've got is, is her character real? Because I mm. think she might be, like I said before, I think she might be an, a figment of Helen's imagination. Okay. Um, assuming she is real, there's that really, there's that really weird little segue in the trailer where Helen asks, where are you going? And she goes, oh, I was, I was coming here anyway. As if like mm-hmm. it was a really sudden... I mean, the way she says it, I I yeah. took that, you're not supposed to buy that as a genuine explanation because it, it just seemed like she said the first thing that came into her head. Okay. And also, like, if she were deliberately going there, presumably the ISA or NASA or whoever would have told him that your relief is on the way. Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't be a surprise when her ship crashed. Yeah. It, it clearly kind of was. Yeah. Okay, you, did you see, by the way, those weird, like, reverse vacuum guns that they were using at some point? Yes. It was like this hose that was, like, pushing out puffs of force. Yeah, I, li- I like those. Those, like, because yeah. um, if you think about it, they would they would sort of work on, I mean, I don't, I don't know how, like, the science of it would work, but if you're dealing with an environment with artificial gravity, mm-hmm. then presumably presumably you can miniaturize that technology to create like a gravity gun and also let's face it it's a really cool special effect yeah no i'm I'm very curious to see if they explain this or see this in action and see what other weapons or other technology they might have incorporated and this is a really cool bit where helen sort of dodges out of the way of like a gravity ball thing that is shot Mm -hmm. kind of sort of sidesteps it that looks really cool yeah no, I think it's, in any case, this show is going to be visually pleasing. Yes. And good acting, it seems, so far. 
And by the way, there's that flash of that living picture of the lighthouse, and that is directly from the book. Uh, it's, okay. It looks a bit different than I pictured it in my head, where I thought that the, like the man figure would be more central and the wave like dominating him. But yeah, I'm interested to see if they incorpor- incorporate it into the show with the same meaning. But the fact that they included it at all means probably they will. Okay. And yeah, there were the three clips. Uh, shall we talk through those? These all came from the YouTube site Movie Guru, so I'll have the links in the show notes. Yeah, somehow this site did manage to get the press department to write back uh, because they not only have these three exclusive clips, but they also have an interview with Glenn Mazzara, who is the showrunner for the second season again. So, okay, summarizing them one at a time. In clip one, Holland appears to be in a holding cell and Aster walks in with pills for him or something he seems to call prints later. Um, And these are to help with the noises and throwing things, she says. He refuses them, though. Suddenly, the door to the cell shuts, closing Aster inside, much to Harmony's surprise as well. Bart and AI, I'm assuming, uh, though this is not in the book, Bart won't respond. Halanen is amused and tells Aster she's made a tactical error, referencing his military history. Aster says the pills, which they seem to call Prince, are uh, for his PTSD, and tells the audience he went AWOL. He doesn't trust her and doesn't want to take them. He accuses her of just wanting some rocks. It was a big risk coming back here, he says. She disagrees. What were your thoughts about this clip? Yeah, I mean, the way she says, not really, at the end, that is mm-hmm. like, that is a woman with a plan. That is a woman <laughs> who has thought this all the way through. I didn't take them as pills. I thought they were like, um, they looked to me like they were sort of um, Nicorette patches kind okay. of thing. Something like yeah, that. It sounded like you called them prints or something, like, but they were in a little cup, which is why I thought the pills, because, you know, like yeah. when you get uh, little pills in the hospital. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that one of the things I found striking about all the clips and the trailer is the station looks really good. Like the mm-hmm. interiors of the stations, somebody's clearly spent some money on this. And I was also thinking, like, you know, how does this relate to Silo? And Hugh Howie clearly has a an abiding interest in artificial environments, right? And like how people react mm-hmm. to living in artificial space. Yeah. It seems to be like an interesting through line in this fiction, or at least what I've seen in this fiction so far, that that is a theme of it. Yeah. Um, as I was saying in the Lorehounds teaser episode, um, I think it partly has to do with the fact that he spent years sailing around the world by himself as part of his job. So you can see that, especially in this book in particular, where there's a lot of like sailing references and obviously he's calling the beacon a lighthouse. So Yeah, he's, you can tell he's clearly got an interest in what happens if you put characters under environmental stress Yeah, um, to start off with. Yeah, so do you have any thoughts about uh, the representation of PTSD? Do you have any hopes? Yeah, for- I, I mean, yes. I, and this isn't particularly a gripe with this, mm-hmm. it's more of a gripe in general, mm-hmm. but PTSD can manifest itself in a whole host of ways, Yeah, and it seems to be, it seems to be stereotyped in fiction that it's a lot of shouting and throwing, you know, like it says in the clip, the shouting and the throwing things. Yeah. Um, uh, that can sometimes be how PTSD manifests, mm-hmm. but that's not, that's not the full range of 
how PTSD can manifest. Yeah, well, I have to say the PTSD is a central theme in the novel, but he doesn't really do shouting and throwing. But there is the other part where she talks about like, oh, for the, all the little noises. I think the first part of the book is called Little Noises. <laughs> and it's about how those are getting at him. But I, yeah, I, he wasn't sh shouting or throwing things. So I'll be very interested to see how they handle it. And I'm also curious about whatever these prints are. Uh, how often they, do they need doses? Because She's saying he went AWOL, which is also interesting, like versus the book. He is he's a war veteran also in the book, but he just said after he served his duty and he uh, gotten, you know, well, I, I won't spoil anything just in case. Um, but he asked NASA like to be reassigned somewhere quiet. And that's how we ended here. But this is making it sound like he ran away and somehow got here. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very curious. And how often do you need these prints? If, I, you know? I think she might have meant when a wall from her ran away from her, hmm. you know, disappeared inside the station rather than when a wall. Oh, okay. From his military service. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe. Because how would she know? As far as we know, these characters have only just met. Mm hmm So, like, how would she know that? Yeah, well, that's the... She says she went there on purpose, so what does she know about him? Yeah. And what is her goal? So I guess that's what we're going to find out in the first two episodes. All right. Uh, shall we talk about clip two? Yeah. So in clip two, Aster, who has her hands tied, tells Bart, the apparent AI played by Wade Bogart O'Brien, to tell the invading group to back off the lab equipment while Harmony stands there unable to do anything. Bart asks them if they'd like to reconsider his offer to suffocate them instead. But then the wrecker is into the system and he shuts Bart down. Harmony tries to interface with Bart and we see a trippy particle visual effect that might be meant to represent quantum tunneling, but a warning message flashes system compromised. What are your thoughts on this one, Luke? Well, my thoughts on this one were Daisy, Daisy, <laughs> give me a Very how. Uh, yeah, it, it was very how. And it's like any time you introduce an alien in the in a movie now, it has the sort of call back to or react to mm -hmm. alien. Every time you introduce an artificial intelligence computer with a voice, you yeah. automatically think of, is this how? Is this anti-how? Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. I mean, I thought the way they sort of chose to, to represent it seemed like pretty standard fare of how that's normally done mm -hmm. on, on TV. Um, I like the idea that you could have these parallel relationships between two human characters and two AIs developing on parallel tracks. Mm -hmm. I think that could, I think that could lead to quite an interesting dynamic. I don't know that I agree that Harmony is an AI, but we'll see. Okay. But yeah, it's also interesting that, you know, the main character really is named Hal in this iteration. There are more characters around in general versus the book, it feels like, but I'm assuming, hoping we'll start with that like sense of loneliness. Uh, but I can understand why you want more people for, you know, the character to play off of. Mm. And by the way, I referred to the one guy as a wrecker, and that is a term from the book. But um, it is also what this guy is credited as. So I will not elaborate on what that means until the show does, but that's what it's called. Okay. All right. 
The third and final clip, uh, a young soldier, apparently a character named Chick, played by J.D. Knoll, is doing the rounds. Hal gets his attention from the other side of a glass barrier like the one from the trailer, and he signals Chick to be quiet about it, but Chick calls the alarm to the other characters named Battle and Big Face and tells them there's someone in the airlock. He trains his gun on uh, him, and the rest of the crew gathers around and opens the door, capturing Helen. Aster sees all this on a monitor. The woman who seems to be leading this group in the trailer, Kennedy, played by Marnie McPhail, says that Helen is not a beacon keeper, and her partner, Battle, played by Paulino Nunes, agrees he's military and asks him why he's locked up. He retorts, why don't you wait until ISA shows up and you'll find out. Big face, Danny Klupsch, yes, speaks a language I don't recognize with a sneer, and Chick translates that Big Face is looking for some protein. Hallen is nonplussed. He says he has med kits and pillows they can take, and ultimately admits he has money too, but it takes five hours to pass through the whole station, and ISA will arrive before that, but Hallen says he can do it himself in five minutes. All he wants in return is that. And he points to some kind of capsule with a chair inside. Battle says that spit bubble won't get you anywhere. But Helen doesn't need to be anywhere. Just not here. What were your thoughts on this final clip, Luke? I thought this was really interesting because I thought this this sort of uh, this sort of set me off as to what the world building was. Because a why have all these people got sort of slightly weird esoteric names for mm-hmm. a start? Um, and also when he says he's looking for some protein. Does he mean that to like steal protein packs from the station, or does he mean to take protein from Helen, like direct? Yeah, that's what I was. I think I thought the implication was she wanted to eat Helen, but yeah, yeah. but there are <laughs> like protein packs in you know like he eats protein rations in the book, so it could be that too, or both double entendre. Yeah, and like. Why would a beacon, why would a lighthouse have a significant amount of money in it? Like, what would that right. be for? Well, it seems like that would all be digital anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he does have to do trade with, you know, passing ships to get supplies and things okay. like that. Although, I guess, you know, that I guess that's mostly delivered. I don't know. We'll see. I'm very curious what the whole... Cr- yeah, apparently Cubits is the currency in this. Yeah, um, by the way, that's that's a, that's a Battlestar Galactica reference, isn't it? <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah. It's also what you call, like, in a quantum computer, it's what you call the bits. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think the chronological order of these three clips is? Uh, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I guess the one with the medication must come first, but I don't know about the other two. Yeah, I mean, the, the big question is, Aster in this one is watching this play out on a monitor. So why is she free? Yeah. So yeah, I'm very curious about that. Um, and I'm also curious about the fact that they say that he's not a beacon keeper, he's military. So why these are not like, these are mutually exclusive things because in the book, the military is the ones who keeps the beacons. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I took, I took that to mean not that he was like serving military, but they could just tell by his stance, by his bearing, by his manner that he had been military. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I, I get your point about why, why would it be one, not the other? But I think they were talking about his demeanor rather than his position if that makes sense 
Okay. Yeah, but I, yeah, I don't know why they would say not a beacon keeper because is it not the military who runs the beacons? So that's just a world building question yeah, I have going on. And the other question, why would it take them five hours to pass through the beacon and him only five minutes? Like, what? what is this about? I'm assuming there are some sort of security, like security? countermeasures. Yeah. yeah, security countermeasures that he can unlock, but it would take them like five hours to break them. It must be biometrics or something like that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the capsule is, the lifeboat is uh, an important thing from the books where it's the way he kind of tools around locally in his sector. So it was interesting okay. to see that. Yeah, it looks cute. So it's not really a lifeboat. It's sort of more like a rowing boat attached. To, it's sort of like a launch. Right. Well, yeah, that's a, it's a the, lifeboat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, he uses it when he needs to go somewhere locally. Yeah. So that's all of basically the marketing materials we've seen for the show so far. Um it doesn't seem like they're heavily marketing it, but I can understand based on the fact they just picked this up and they're just a fledgling new, <laughs> new No, I've got to say, I spent a considerable amount of time trying to look for a second trailer because I assumed there, must, oh, be no, no. there yeah. must be one, but there's only the one trailer, which is which is somewhat concerning, to be honest. Well, I mean, we... Just because it doesn't have a big marketing force behind it doesn't mean it's not a good show. Um, yeah, that, that's very true. This is, again, the production company that made Orphan Black, which is one of my all-time favorites. So, um, yeah, I'm curious. Uh, I am already braced knowing that it's going to be different from the books. That's I'm fine with that. Uh, I will be, as we did with Silo, I'll be pointing things out, book differences, once we've past that point in the show once something's been revealed in the show only then will i bring up something from the book um otherwise i, I think i'm going to be playing guessing games just as much as the rest of you cool well it's nice to know that you are only this far ahead of me instead of being that far ahead of me for um silo so it's gonna be it's <laughs> gonna be interesting this is gonna be fun um, okay, so I have some lightning round predictions I'm going to ask you to make, but uh, and some final materials that we'll talk about what's going on with this feed and beyond right after this quick commercial break. So, Luke, are you ready for some lightning round predictions? I'm yeah, just going to ask you a question and you just say the first thing that pops into your head. Go. All right. Aster, good guy, bad guy. Lena Headey's character. Imaginary character. Okay. So you would say part of Helen's psyche then? Yeah, part of Helen's psyche. Okay. I think, I don't know. Yeah, so I'm trying to slot her into one of, or maybe multiple of several different characters in the book. So I'm going to go with complex. Yeah, complex. Okay. Will there be a romance? No. No. Not in season. I'm not saying it won't happen, but mm -hmm. I don't think it's season one. All right, I think I think so. What's the glowing rock? Something they're mining on the asteroid. Hmm. Good guess. What's the weirdest thing we might see? I still think there are two artificial intelligences here, and okay. like you, you talk about romance, mm -hmm. I think <laughs> it would be, I think it would be really cool to have a romance between two artificial intelligences. Actually, I'm down for that. That would be, yeah, that'd be yeah. fun. <laughs> Will there be aliens? I'm going to say yes, because if they're soldiers, that implies they're fighting somebody or something. So I'm okay. going to say yes. 
I hope so. And oh, and the weirdest thing I hope is maybe some aliens. <laughs> and I also maybe hope there's something weird about the rock, uh, which I won't get into. Will there be animals? Yes. And I'm, I'm basing this purely on silo in an environment where you didn't think there would be animals. It turned <laughs> out to be lots of animals. This so is even less yes. likely. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's one animal character in the books that I hope shows up in the show. Uh, no signs yet, but we'll see. Will there be cleanings? No. <laughs> no. No, I, I, I hope not. Because <laughs> if there are, that would sort of imply that Hugh Howie has a thing for, like, suffocating his characters, which is a bit disturbing. Well, considering they're in space, I expect maybe at least one character is going to suffocate at some point in the void of space. Um, All right, well, we will be, as I said, covering this show uh, not exactly week per week. We're going to do this. uh, Next week, we're going to put out an episode breaking down the two-episode premiere. And then we're going to talk about episodes three through five together and then six and seven before the holidays. And we'll come back just uh, slightly a few days later than we would otherwise to cover the finale at the start of the new year. But to make it up for you, we're already discussing our winter holiday special that we'll be posting in the meanwhile. So that should be hopefully a fun extra. I am really looking forward to that. I am yeah. really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, well, I, can't, I guess we can say what it is. We're, we're going to be talking about the different um, adaptations of It's a Wonderful Life, which is based on the story The Greatest Gift. And on the book club, there will also be a Greatest Gift audio drama that uh, Dead Eye Jedi Bob is working with me on. So, uh, yeah, you have never seen It's a I Wonderful have never Life. Seen, I've never seen the Jimmy Stewart version of It's a Wonderful Life. Wow. Never, not once. So I'm excited. Yeah. And I'm curious to see uh, these other adaptations that we're looking at or everything from like the one from the 70s to a Hallmark one to uh, the Muppets. So and yeah, and also we're already talking about in January, our coverage for the three body problem on Netflix, the new adaptation of those books. I would say the trailer for that looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious. Um, and it it's uh, Dan Weiss and David Benioff mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to bring us full circle. We are back to we are back to Game of Thrones. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm very yeah. curious. They have a a lot to prove after people being mad at them <laughs> <laughs> for the end of Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, I, I always choose to focus on the good bits, the good of yeah. Game of Thrones. Well, than... hey, when they were adapting from books in Game of Thrones, it went well. So yeah, now they are adapting from a finished book. So <laughs> yeah, trilogy actually, but I'm assuming the first season will be the first book. I don't know. Yeah, and on the book club. Uh, this week we'll have the Beacon 23 breakdown episode coming out with Abby. And then Abby's going to continue with me uh, doing the rest of the silo series. So next up is shift. And I would like to thank, by the way, since the last episode, we've had new silos in chemo S and Elsa W join. So thanks so much for moving into the silo. And we can't wait to have you at our regular meetings. Now, on the Lorehounds, to talk about other news on this network, there was recently our episode for the MC Universe on Werewolf by Night, which is just a personal pet love of mine. So it's a quick watch on Disney 
if you're curious about odes to classic monster films, watch that. You can give this a listen. And of course, our ongoing Loki coverage with the season finale coming up this week and also coverage of the Marvels, which I'm going to see tomorrow in the theater. And also there's going to be in December, there's going to be some one shots like the creator is one that we've recorded and uh, Napoleon one shot. And yeah, they're keeping up with the book nook stuff with the Silmarillion and the Earth Sea series from Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, also on the network, properly Howard, they just finished their season covering a bunch of remake movies. Now, it's one of those shows where you have a scholar and a comedian and you don't really even have to have seen the movie. You can just listen and have a good time. And they're actually teaming up with David and John to start a new Severance podcast, which has its own feed. There was a trailer dropped in here with a preview, so you can check that out if you're curious. Now, Luke, where can everyone find you? So me and a couple of friends from uni do a podcast called It Could Be Said that looks at UK and international politics. We've been on a bit of a hiatus uh, lately, but I think we're picking up again later on this week. Uh, people can find me on the site formerly known as Twitter mm-hmm. at uh, Luke Foster Midder. They can also find me at Blue Sky, same name. Thank you, by the way, Alicia, for the for the link to Blue Sky. I am staying on the site formerly known as Twitter all the way until it finally collapses in a big pile of flaming ruins. Sipping martinis as we watch it go down. Ex- exactly. <laughs> as, as Elon sets the world on fire, basically. <laughs> And also, you were recently on an episode of the Wrexham Texan? Yeah, so I was a guest on a show called the Wrexham Texan, which is kind of both a review of English lower league football and the FX um, series Welcome to Wrexham with um, Ryan Reynolds and Ron McElhenney. I did a guest episode on that. It was really fun. So check that out, Wrexham Texan. that's all my plugs. Have you got anything else you want to? <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter as well at Alicia CV. I'll put both of those links in the show notes. And yeah, you can also find me on Blue Sky and all the other social medias under that same name. We'll see you back here next week to break down the first two episodes of Beacon 23 Corbenic and Wreckers. Until then, nighty night and don't let the space wreckers bite. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies, Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 